Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest on the show today, we have Ryan Keller owner of Smack Fitness, Southern Maryland Athletic Club in Mechanicsville, Maryland. Ryan, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Fantastic, Big Joe. Doing great, buddy. I am. I'm excited to get into this and, and I'm excited to, to rack your brain and see what kind of lessons we can learn. For the people listening, before we talk about what day-to-day looks like now, give us a little bit of a history lesson of First and foremost, what Smack Fitness is in your own words. And second, how did this all come to be? Okay. Yeah. I'm <clears throat> first of all, just to preface it, I'm a I'm an old guy. I'm I'll be 57, 56, 56 <laughs> in a in a week or two. So I've been at and I've been fortunate enough to be in the fitness industry for 36 years, quite a while. So I've seen a lot of different stuff and I've mainly operated in that you call it the box gym type situation, um, you know, trying to uh, trying to really get everybody, you know, whether it's uh, whatever their interest is, whatever they're trying to do, whether it's aerobics, heavy lifting, toning, whatever. So that's kind of what I've followed. That's the path I've followed. I've done personal training. I've done every single aspect of fitness everything i've even worked in the childcare room for <laughs> so I've, management sales i've done it all so um you know and i have a, i just love i love it i've been very blessed to be able to be in it for this long cuz uh yeah. it's a tough it's a tough business it is it's a tough tough, tough gig tough. and everybody <laughs> listening to this understands everybody that I would, I would venture to guess that everybody that listens to this podcast is either in the industry in some capacity or thinking about being in the industry in some capacity and so most people understand the ups and the downs of the industry you've opened this and, and owned this since 2005 mm-hmm. talk to me in a in a brief sense what's the biggest differences between smack in 2005 and 2006 versus 22 and 23. Oh, wow. And again, it's, 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 it's coming from being in this industry for so long. And, you know, back in the day when I would do sales, somebody would walk into your club and it would be like, and and that's how it was when I opened, when I opened smack, it was like, you walk into a club and people look around and it, it all came down to, you know, how much equipment you had, who had the bigger club, who had the cleanest club, you know, um, you take them for the tour. Of course you tailor the tour, depending on what they want their goals are. And you send them out at the end and you show them the price sheet and, you know, let's get started. It wasn't that, it wasn't that difficult. Now in, in this day and age, as opposed to when I opened this gym, it's, it's people walk in. Oh yeah. Can I, can I get some information? Sure. Let me show you around. No, no. I don't, how much is it? You don't want to look around. No. How much is it? <laughs> so, and then when you tell them it's not $10, they, they, oh, that's, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. And that, that's the frustrating part for me. When I started in 1987, 
the the price of a gym membership was $39, right? My price now for a standard one year is $39. Oh, wow. You think the expenses are the same now in 2023 as they were in 87? You're crazy. And, you know, it's so we as gym owners, we have to find that that way to siphon that money from other avenues because yeah. it's hard to go to your members. And, and I know some, I, you know, have I, you kicked around some, the idea of bumping that price up at any point? What's that? Have you, have you considered bumping the price up at any point? I have, but the problem is, is that anybody that's, I don't have really a super direct competition, but the gyms that are closer to me, they love going that, that $20 route, that, that mm. $25 route, you know, now granted people, I do offer a longer term membership for, for 29. And then if you add a family member, you're right at 25. So it's, you know, it's very competitive, but uh, I, I, you know, and then again, too, I'm like, I'm selling memberships right now. Why, uh, you know, I, I, it's doing, it's working for me and paying my bills. So if I don't have to raise my prices, I, 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 I'm not going to. So, sure. yeah. A lot of people, Ryan, listen to this podcast and, and they're in a similar model to yours where volume drives EFT membership and right. we back that up with things like personal training or nutrition or whatever the, the add-ons are. Mm-hmm. But what have you found to be successful from a marketing front over the years to get some people just through the doors in the first place? You know, I... Uh- I, I do believe heavily in the whole social media thing. It can drive people to your club, but I will say this after being around for a while, if you're relying hundred percent on social media to try to drive business in your door, you, you, you need to really take a step back and look at what your product is, what you really, I would venture to say, if you're relying hundred percent on any one source you gotta well, step back absolutely but again it's what the way i've seen it is that if you have something that's really different you can say i'm different but if you really have something that stands out as unique and really does deliver you don't have to bust your butt on making little movies every day people will come because the people you're servicing that you've already got in the door they're your best advocates. They're they're gonna they're gonna drag every one of their friends into your club, and you know that's what I've always relied on. I, I can't you know back in a time when there was no social marketing, no, no social you know media, it was all it was all. Man, I love that place. It's clean. It's got the best classes. The staff is amazing. That's that's the cornerstone of my my business and what I and I and I am going to try to get more into to mar- marketing with social media, but. More Instagram because I tell you, Joe, the biggest thing I've noticed since coming back from COVID, my demographic has shifted extremely. Whereas I used to really have a broad range of of members as far as age, mm-hmm. um, and I still do, but I have been hammered with the younger demographic, the twenty something, yeah. the right just before thirty. My gym is packed with the, and I believe. I know it for a fact. These are all driven by by Instagram. You oh, look yeah. at the, the 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 you know the big names putting out content before up until I love it in a way. I, there are girls now that are lifting weights, like mm-hmm. really lifting weights, like making the boys look bad. These yeah. girls are squatting, deadlifting, and they look phenomenal. Whereas just a few years ago, girls were I can't I'll bulk up. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So it's my gym's, you know, now the only thing I kind of down part of these younger people is I got to teach them gym etiquette. I got to teach them to pick up their water bottles and teach them not to leave chalk all over the place and teach them, you know, because I run a clean club. I think that's the case with anybody coming into a business, you know? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. So now great. let's, let's unpack a lot of that because you said mm -hmm. a couple of different things there that I think are worth highlighting. First and foremost, I want to call attention to the fact that we need to have a product worth marketing before we ever entertain a conversation about marketing. You mentioned if you have something truly unique and you said it in a couple of different ways, your people are your best advocates for you. And I wholeheartedly agree. I think every gym owner ever, if they could get the growth that they were after and all of the leads that they think that they need organically, of course they would. Right. Right. I visualize advertising or marketing in whatever sense that is to supplement those things. You know, we should have a healthy flow of people coming in just because we have a great product. If your customers aren't talking about you, your product isn't great. Right. Harsh truth. Right. To add on to that, you mentioned social media is a key catalyst here. We're looking to get a little bit more involved in the social media world because of a demographic shift. And I, again, I'm going to agree 100% with you. We have to be where the eyeballs are, you know, right. in the 90s, in the 2000s, that might have been print, that might have been TV, that might have been radio, and no longer. It's not to say one is better than the other, it's just selecting the right tool for the job, given the resources that we have. 2023, things are shifting more towards social media. People are on there, you know, right. whether we like it or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we need to be on those platforms. And right. so for you, we're, we're adjusting to the times and our marketing is reflecting that. Tell me a little bit about the sales process here, Ryan, because you mentioned early on and you've been in someone who's been in the industry for a long time, you've seen a couple of different phases of the fitness industry. And whereas before early on, it, it may have been sign somebody up at all costs, high pressure, we need to get X amount of our budget, whatever that looks like. Tell me about your sales process now. Walk me through a couple of those checkpoints if I'm somebody looking to, to sign up for your facility. Sure. Again, it's, um, you know, I do a lot of little tricks to help pull people in, uh, free friend Friday. Um, any member can bring a friend, um, no charge. There's no, and there's no sales part to that. Just here's my gym. Do you like it? You know, if you don't, whatever, but mm -hmm. I, I have, I have such confidence in my product and my, my staff that, uh, so I let that that kind of be my my hard sell. The, the, the That's club the cornerstone of all of this. Yeah, sure. exactly. And I tell and I can't put this enough to any gym member. If your club is not clean, you really need to look. You know, I know that some. That's not my. You know, I'm more of a hardcore. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Even if you're hardcore, if you want to get premium money from anybody, it doesn't matter. You need to have a clean club. I clean my club myself. I scrub the boogers off the wall. I, you know, that's yeah. part of, that's the glamor of being a gym owner. It's, it's, it's so, you know, you, you've got to take pride in it and then it will sell itself. And then if you have a great, great staff, 
So my big thing is what I really try to do is you get people in the door. Um, a lot of different things. I give, I do a summer challenge every year where I, people can win a free year of membership. That big thing with that is if you, and all you got to do is come every time you come to the gym, you get a, a certain amount of points. You don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to climb a brick wall or anything. You just have to come to the gym for the summer. Cause that's when it's harder to come to the gym. At the end of it, you get a t-shirt. I see my t-shirts all over town because every, mm. I do it every year. I've been doing it for 18 years and best advertising. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and around Christmas time, I give out tons of like gift certificates for people to give to their friends as a little stocking stuffer to help bring them in the gym. Uh, I do some social media advertising. I do um, a big open house day when it's my year anniversary where I give away three months free. They join that day. That brings in a lot of people. So my big thing is, you know, as opposed to say, I let the club sell itself. So I'm big on giving that, that free week trial. Come in, no pressure. You like it. I, it's on my website. Come in, click here for your free re- week. Come on in. And then it's up to my staff. You know, if they want a trainer, if they want to, hey, let's, if you need somebody to show you around, free, free, uh, free, free training session. Yeah. Um, the one thing very that I have, low pressure, very low theory. pressure, but, but, but you don't have to, you don't have to pressure if you've got a great product. Yeah, I've got I've been very blessed. The fact I've been in this business so long that it tells you it's it's hard work, but it's also luck and it's luck about who you have around you. I have a guy right now that's my general manager. This guy and I've been working gyms a long time. The thing about this guy is so, you know, when whenever somebody comes in your gym, they swipe their key tag and most places tell you, well, you know, the staff needs to say hi to the the member and greet him by their name because it's right there on the screen. You sign up at my club by the second time you come in this in my club, he knows your, he knows your name before you even swipe your key tag. I mean, it's, he's like a rain man. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm talking hundreds of people (laughs) and he knows everybody's name. That is priceless. I am so blessed to have him as as my manager and he's up there at desk all, you know, and uh, that's sales. That's yeah. A lot of what you said is going to going to answer my next question here. And so Uh it may it may be repetitive here, but just as important in your model as signing people up and probably more more important is keeping those people. Yeah. What do you think has has influenced the retention of your membership over the years the most? It's that it's and and a lot of I hear a lot of the the people that's on your show kind of go the same route. It's it's about those bonds you 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 connect with these with your members when you and you got and you can't you can't fake it. It's from your heart. I care about my people that join my club. I do. I I and that's not. It, I really really do care. I want them to succeed. I want to see them. I love seeing them I, they're, you know, and it shows, I, I mean, to have, to have somebody walk up to you and, and, and cry because they're thanking you for your staff, for what you've done for them, that you've saved their life. They're off blood pressure medication. Um, they've lost 60 pounds. That's when they cry in your arm. That's, that is the best job ever. And I care about these people. And, and, and I have a lot of members and I'm, you know, and if they know that and you're sincere about it, that's how you're successful. You can't fake it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, 
our our conversation for the most part has has been a little bit about how you got started and a lot about what things look like now mm -hmm. bring us into the future here ryan what are what are some targets or some metrics or what are some big goals that you guys are looking to hit as time goes on here well you know for me it's um I, I'm on the cusp of 20 years at this gym, and um, when I hit that mark, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to go from there. Just in that, that's just a personal thing. I don't like the state I'm in anymore. It's getting harder and harder for small businesses to, to survive and make money. Um, so whether I sell this gym, uh, my parents have moved to the Carolinas. I might, my wife doesn't like up here anywhere more because of the cold weather so i don't know i don't know I, whether i sell my gym to my manager if um or i don't know but i i'm 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 i'll be very pleased to hit that 20 years and then kind of take it from there you know yeah um because that's you can say you can think you know oh i'm doing great and this and this and that and i've seen it a billion times as soon as somebody starts getting thinking they got it all figured out and they, they know what they're <laughs> doing not the they, industry to do well, then guess what happens your landlord comes in and says i'm yanking your lease or i'm jacking your your your, your rent up by double um it happens all the time and you can think you own a gym unless you own your building you don't really own a gym you think you're leasing yeah. the equipment you, you know even if you pay that off you if you if you get booted you, you get pennies on the dollar for it you know so be be humble <laughs> and yeah. and be grateful for every day that you get to do this because it's it's i've seen it, it I, and then don't get don't get ahead of yourself if you're do if you have one gym that's doing great don't be so quick to Ooh, try to do another no, one because no it, shortage of stories there yeah i mean I, I and i've seen i got i did that i got when when after i opened this gym now i had other gyms before where my mom and i opened a few and uh, we did women's only and we killed it. We killed it. My mom is more of a business person. So when it came time, like when, when the, when the, when the membership kind of flattened off a little bit, she's like, ah, I'm selling. <laughs> she didn't, she, a lot of just, you know, who, those of us who have long. a passion for it, we're like, oh, we can, we can, you know, mom's like, nah, we're so okay. that's when I kind of came up yeah. after we sold the women's only clubs and we had three, we had four gyms at one time and we were doing pretty good, but she was, she was smart because most of them are all gone now Yeah, when we sold them. So, um, now yeah. two years until your 20 year mark, mm -hmm. is there anything you think I would love to to hit this membership mark or this revenue mark or or anything that's swimming around in your mind of boxes unchecked in your ownership tenure. Well, here's the thing is I'm I'm doing well right now. And I I my problem at eleven thousand square feet, um I don't want my gym to get too crowded, you know. Um so it's a situation. The, the great thing about my club is that my ceilings are 25 foot high. So if I want more space, I could put a mezzanine in and mm -hmm. add another 2000 square feet. Um, that's a possibility maybe, but again, it's not my building. So I don't know if I want to invest that or not. Um, yeah. But again, I'm not jumping because I'm crowded right now, but 
we all know how we're still in February, you know, February, March, it starts when the weather gets warmer, it starts to fizzle down a little bit. So we'll see if these numbers, if people keep coming is, but I, I think it will because this younger demographic tends to not fall off. You know, they actually are more likely to stick with it because they're in there. Some of them are working pretty hard. So um, it'll be interesting to see how all of this shapes up in the next 18 to 24 months for you then. Right. Right. I, I'm just going to continue to focus on, the uh, outside revenue streams. Um, I have a small room. I have one guy in there doing chiropractic work. I might expand on that room to add massage therapy in there. I might bring a tanning bed in. I don't know. You know, I know my 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 drink cooler and my pro shop is killing it. And and I, that's that's something else too. I tell any gym owner, if if you can't put a put a cooler or put you know put supplements, put a cooler in your gym, and then have it set up where they can automatically just put stuff on their account that goes to their EFT yep. because people, it becomes a mindless thing. Put it on my account, put it on my account. My, my staff and the guy, the manager, he knows already what their drink of preference oh, is. Yeah. So he, he's got to, them wrong up. I've and, talked to facilities doing 30 grand a month in Gatorade before. You would be I know you won't. I'm away. like this. Yeah, this is coming out of this cooler. It's amazing, but it, it, it's, it, 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 it's every little bit helps. Every little bit helps, yeah, especially yeah. when volume is driving it. Ryan, that is a, a great place for us to wrap our conversation up. But I do want to save a minute for you to tell people where they can learn more about Smack. What's the website? What are the social media links? How can people find you guys? I'm um, I'm at www.smacfit.com. It's my website. And you can link on my Facebook and I think Instagram for there. My Instagram is uh, Smack Mechanicsville. And my Facebook is Smack Fitness of Mechanicsville. So I'm out there, you know. Connect with Ryan and the team on those platforms. Ryan, I, I genuinely appreciate your perspective on all of these things and, and your willingness to share. So yeah, like I, I said, I'm, I'm back excited I love, to see I, yeah, what the, yeah, what the next couple of years look talking. like. Yeah, I, I wish the best for anybody who's, again, I've been very, very blessed to be able to do this for as long as I have. If you're, if somebody out there is just starting, you know, you, you can do it. It is, it, it is a lot of work, but it doesn't feel like work, but just be yeah. careful, be careful what leash you have. You know, that's the biggest thing is I've seen a lot of good people that work really hard, lose everything because they signed a terrible lease. And that's, that's my biggest advice is really look at that lease. Cause it's, it's a, uh, that's, that can be your demise. So have that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Oh my gosh! We yeah. Spend yeah. hours and hours yeah. on that. Yep. So, yep. so good luck to everybody. That's that's all we got for today. But Ryan, I appreciate your time. To everyone who tuned in, I appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description. Fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah. Joining us on the show is Robbie Linzel, owner of Paragon Fitness Studio in Bishops, Stratford, UK. Robbie, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Awesome. We're super excited to have you on. I can't wait to hear about the gym. Um, but first thing I want to know is what made you want to start a gym in the first place? Okay, so it sort of come about because when I was younger, in my sort of teens, I was doing a sport of boxing and loved that and sports and whatever. And then um, when I was about 22, I had a bit of an injury and I had to stop boxing. That was the end of that. I had an eye injury, so I had to stop. That was the end of that. No more boxing and just did some other things. And then maybe a year after that, a friend of mine opened a boxing gym and um, I sort of heard about it. And another friend um, unfortunately passed away, went to his funeral, he's a boxing pal. And the guy who owned the new gym, he sort of said to me, oh, can you come and help us out at the club? Because, you know, I need a bit of help tonight, whatever. So I went up there, started sort of training people, really loving it. And then I was sort of up there every night. Um, so I was working in the day, going up there in the night time. And just sort of got into sort of that sort of coaching people, helping people just like that. Um, and then um, we had our first child and I was doing a job just before that. I was, I was doing a job that I hated. I used to meet my girlfriend, who's my wife at lunchtime. And she'd say, oh, what do you like doing? I said, oh, I like training people. And um, anyway, she sort of said, well, like, we should try and do that. And um so I left that job, got another job, which meant I could do my courses around it and then trained a couple of people and then trained a couple more people and got to a point where I said, right, I'm going to quit and go full-time like self-employed PT and did that. And then started training people in gyms and eventually got to the point where I was like, right, I'm going to start my own gym. That's awesome. Yeah. What was the process like of getting your own gym up and running? Was it hard to find like the money, the staffing, the space? Like, what was that like? Right. It come about, I used to, um, like it was obviously it was just over 10 years ago. Right. I was sort of looking and I used to go and get, when, when with marketing, you used to do photocopying. <laughs> so you get like leaflets and you used to get them photocopied and stuff. And the, place I'm in right now next door to it is a printers and I happen to see that the unit next to them I used to go in there quite a few times I'd be like oh that's empty that's empty didn't really think nothing of it and then that's how I found the unit so we found the unit I, I, I went in with another trainer um because we said we'd, so we'd sort of go halves on everything and sort of share out the space and etc and uh it seemed not too bad at the time. We just gathered up whatever money we could get to do mm -hmm. it and just sort of acted a bit bold and thought, right, let's just, let's do it. Um, Learn a few things along the way. But, yeah, definitely. Is that um, the person you opened with still part of the business or is it just you now? No, it's just me. Um, So we did it. We, we, before we sort of got to gym, we did a few little boot camps and stuff together, we worked together on that. And we come up with, yeah, let's get the studio. And sort of six months in, he, he decided actually he didn't want to be in a gym and he wanted to 
do a program where he could like go around the country, like doing people. He was doing more in halls and stuff like that. So he said, look, he was on holiday. One of our, our ceiling fell down in the gym and it was like, right, he ain't there. So I've got to sort it out. So I sorted it out. And he sort of said, look, it works better with you doing it on your own. Anyway, one of us just doing it rather than asking a million questions to each other. Do we do this? Do we do that? So then he decided to sort of come out of it. And then I ran it from there. Oh, awesome. Okay. So it worked out for you then. <laughs> but yeah. um, fast forward now, 2023, describe um, Paragon Fitness Studio to us. Like what are the services that you offer? What can someone expect if they come in? Okay. So if they come and knock on the door, if we're not running sessions, the chances are no one's here. So, and they, to be honest, not many people come by and walk in because not hundreds of people know exactly where we are, but um, we run small group training sessions and programs. Um, and the way it works is we have up to 16 people in a group. We're like probably 85% female member base and probably average age is 52 i'm guessing that's a sort of average client and um, sometimes we get like we get some men and sometimes it's husbands or partners and sometimes children of uh, people already come that bring the average age down but they come and we sort of do like um body transformation type programs um and the main thing is about getting people training making them feel confident in the space there's not they're training with you know similar people um there's not people it's not like an open gym where people can come in and lug a few weights around look in the mirrors and walk out again we're not as such got mirrors either <laughs> um and yeah we help them with their nutrition we help them when they're not in the gym like ideally we say like ideally getting three times a week and then around that time we got like um facebook group and um different things like that so we can touch uh, touch base with them make sure they're attending and um yeah that's pretty much how we how we do things awesome i love it okay so how do you get people to know that you're there you mentioned there's not a lot of walk-ins um what's like your marketing strategy um to build your clientele right over the last probably couple of years maybe three or four years um worked with a few different agencies to help us with um, marketing um mainly we do like through facebook adverts and um yeah facebook ads that sort of stuff and then obviously emailing as well because once people get in touch um we can email them after that that's mainly how most of ours come in and then we get some people who are from referrals like someone might come be loving it and then say oh yeah you gotta come to where i go and then they bring a friend in or they get in touch that way um that's our main main source really of new people through facebook really gotcha yeah facebook ads are have been, have been blowing up lately um so you mentioned you've used a few different agencies what do you like about the agencies and what have you not liked about using agencies like what sets apart you know the better ones from but not so right well it, it sort of come about right so before i had the gym so before I even you did facebook or before i even knew knew about stuff i am on a page and all that um i had like a 
um, like a fitness business uh, sort of mentor who did like um, a bit of coaching and stuff like that. And I think I did that for about three years and it was really good. Just helped me with just lots of different things like creating packages rather than like for PT when I was doing one-to-ones. Um, and that's how it came about. I was doing group training now, but like one-to-ones used to maybe train like, you train like loads of people in a day. Um, and then sometimes like you might have six people booked in but then it could be like, oh, three or four of them all of a sudden, oh, I can't come today because I'm not well or or something. And then like you've got a bit of a messing around day and then you're not getting paid for it either and stuff like that if you're charging per session or whatever. Which ain't great. So just from that first minute, I learned how to like package things. So you might do, if it's X amount of people, uh, X amount of sessions a month or a week or whatever, um, and they're getting this, getting that, and get them to pay you something a month. And then, then if they miss a session, obviously you can try and get them to catch it up. So I learned some stuff off that first mentor. And then we'd sort of got to a point where we'd, we'd gone through everything. So stopped. Got another mentor. Because I always find I need for me, like need someone just sort of checking in or pushing me to do stuff. Because sometimes it's easy to sit back and not do things. Um, so I've got another one, but he was more of just a general business. It was like a franchise thing. So it weren't for fitness. And like, I was sometimes sitting in a room with, I don't know, someone with a sewing shop and someone with a factory and someone. So it weren't really, I did it for a bit, but that didn't work. And then I found someone who was in the fitness. And um, at the time, it was great. He worked great with me because he, he got me adverts up and running. So got that working. That was all good taught me a few things about Black Fridays and um, some other things like that. And so what was good was it helped me get people in and helped me learn a bit more how to do like the salesy sort of bit, like in that, like no one, no one particularly, I don't know, fitnessy majorly likes sales because uh, they feel like, oh, it's a bit, sales and I want to take money but it's not like you just want to help people but it just sort of helped me with that sort of stuff um and then so that was a good part bad part obviously you have to pay for it because you have to do so you have to back to find money like on credit cards because I didn't have no money to do it but then it paid itself back so that was cool so it was worth it um then after a little while with the, uh, certain agencies with um, the service sort of took a bit of a nosedive just because maybe that sometimes that happens. And so I finished up there and then started with another place that I'd met through other trainers that I'd meet around, you know, like through online and they're working with different people. And, oh, how are you getting on with so-and-so? Yeah, I'm doing good. Oh, yeah, try these. And I'm with them. And, yeah, it's really good. They just help you with different things, like with marketing, with knowing things like your numbers, which I'm – up till now, I've been terrible on, you know, like knowing all your costs and all this sort of stuff. Um, I've got spreadsheets now and have to put stuff in. And I'm not my favourite thing, but you do it and then you realise that sometimes you think, oh, good, there's a load of money. I'm going to go spend on a load of stuff. But then you're told, well, actually, look, although that's there, you've got this and this and this and this to pay. And you don't realise, so like you've got to not just spend stuff out when you you've got budget stuff and whatever so just you get get help with that sort of stuff as well um, yeah. yeah but 
I think the main good thing is it gives you a bit of direction and helps you um, know what to do. But obviously, you've got to pay money for it as well and just got to make sure you're earning it back as such. But you should do if it's if it's good service. Yeah, definitely. I think that's good advice to seek out mentorship in areas that might not be your forte. I think there's, you know, so much benefit in that. And I'm glad that you found um, some mentorship out there. Are you currently working with like a an agency or a coach right now? Yeah, I've got an agency I'm working with right now. And I've been with them since uh, August. So that's like uh, so that's six, six, seven months. And um, yeah, like really, really good. Really helped me with different ideas for campaigns and um, just just new new ways of doing things. Like um, just taught me, like for example, what at one point what I used to do, I'd always meet people. I, I still like obviously meeting people before they become a member. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I might used to do was, right, okay, eventually get hold of them, say, right, I want to meet you, get into the gym, arrange your time to meet them in the gym. They might not turn up, but they might do. So they turn up. We're going to be about an hour at least normally. I have a chat with them, do their stats, obviously do the health questionnaire form, ask about their goals, all that sort of stuff. We'll do a mini workout, and then I'll tell them the options of joining, and then they might or might not join, um, which Take, takes a lot of time, whereas I've now sort of learned a better way of on the phone, I can speak to them, speak about their goals and everything else. If it sounds a good fit, I can explain to them about what we do and how we do it, tell them packages, and then if they want to do it or not, they can choose to do so or not. And it's just, and then obviously then I can book them in and see them after that. But it's just streamlined things a little bit more because otherwise it was taking like a lot of time, which is sort of streamlined that process down for me. Yeah, definitely. That's good that you're able to find ways to make your job a little bit easier and, and more efficient for you and the clients. Um, but I'm curious, like, what are your goals now with the gym? Do you have a 2023 goal or even beyond that, um, a long-term goal? Yeah, longer term, like what I want to do, like our gym, we've got an upstairs area and that's like um what we call that our team training area mm-hmm. and that's where we have maybe 16 people tops in a session um with one trainer and we will take it through the sessions there and then we've got a downstairs area which has been so like underused for like years really like when we first moved in we did a bit of one-to-one down there but not much but just before COVID and before like all um, all gym equipment went berserk for a little while and you couldn't get old or nothing. I got hold of a few new bits of kit, um, just different different things to use, you know, for different sorts of training. And um, it's down there. And just sort of introduced this year, uh, like a small group, meaning like four people tops, small group PT. And that'll be with one trainer. So I'm taking at the moment downstairs and um, that's like an extra service on top of our team training. So um, ideally, I don't know the time frame on it because there's there's three of us staff here, like me and two others. Ideally, we want to get at least one other trainer because if one of us is off, we've got enough to do as it is. 
but I'd like to be in a point where we could have sessions downstairs that people could book, like small group PT as a you know bonus sessions. They could just book into them on the timetable, whatever fitted. And we'd have a trainer there, either me, one of the others, or another one, or another one that's ready to take them through on that. And we'd have groups going down there at the same time. Um, that would be a nice service to be able to, to add on. Yeah, that would be a great addition. And what right now is missing for you to be able to do that? Is it the staff or equipment, um, time? Uh, it's a bit of time and um, and staff, really. Like, yeah, because it's, it's just me doing it right now. And, um, yeah, it's enough with me doing it. Like if we had at least, like ideally, if in, if we could get another trainer within the next six months, that would be really good. Um, I've been going through all the numbers and stuff, and obviously we've got to get a certain amount of increase a few revenues and drop a few costs before we can get in another cost of a trainer. But um, hopefully within six months that can be do that, and then we can grow it from there. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other trainers right now? Or is it just you training? Yeah, no, we've got, yeah, there's two others. So there's me and there's Mark. He's been with here with me for, I shouldn't exactly know, but I'm I'm going to say maybe five years or it was all before COVID. So that's a few years crossed off. So there's a few years before that. Yeah, I reckon it was, it's got to be five years, I think. Um I might be wrong. If you listen to this, you can tell me. Anyway, someone will tell me it's wrong or whatever. And we've got um, a lady called Susie who's been exactly a year now because I know that. So, and then um, she started in great. We did have another train a bit before, but then she was married and then she's had a baby and she's moved like miles away. Um, and we had a young fella who he was just doing a little bit of his part time, but now he's managed to get full time. PT hours in, and he's mainly a CrossFit type trainer and he's do, doing that. Um, but yeah, so that's our main three, me, Mark and Susie. Awesome. I love that. I love that. So long-term, do you see yourself always being a trainer or would you like to focus mostly on the business side of things eventually? Um, I enjoy attending sessions, the training, but I'd like to be in a position where like if the gym could just run like by itself, like if the cool trainers been in there doing brilliant sessions, everything else all going really good. And then if I was like, and then I can do like the busy stuff, obviously it takes ages sorting all that stuff out. But like if I can have that run in and then I say, right, yeah, I'm going in doing a load of sessions this week or I'm going to do them this day, that day, whatever. Just, yeah, you can have a day off or you can do this, you can do that. I'd like to be in a position to, be able to do that so I can still do it whenever I want. But I don't have to do it if I if because obviously there's other stuff to do um but yeah i'll still be involved training because yeah i enjoy yeah, it i love it um so what's been like the hardest part of being a business owner in this industry in your experience what's been you know the most challenging part oh most challenging sometimes obviously when you're uh, as such on your own it's your own business when it like I don't know different things sometimes can like you can see you've got a hundred people and they all think it's absolutely brilliant and really amazing and loving it and all that. And you get one person say, Oh, yeah, I didn't like it because I don't know, there was I don't know, P 
pink weights instead of yellow ones or something, or just saying random like that. And then like you'll sometimes you think about the person who's moaning about something and all that when everyone else is really up. So you can take you can take things a bit personal because obviously you personally put everything into it. So that's but you can get over things like that. That's that's okay. Um some of the other challenges is obviously like oh, like when you get aggro with bills or um charges that you don't know what was going to come up or rules get changed about different things um all that sort of stuff is aggro but you just have to roll with it really and adapt things um yeah like in when we was it march when we got shut down in 2020 you just had to like you, you could have just cried about it or you just goes right we're going to go online now then and so we just went with that there weren't really no other options and then um, we then all our kit out that we had like everyone come down and got like a couple of plates on a step and maybe a couple of dumbbells or whatever and then we made up some sort of a program that everyone could do some people had wine bottles and all sorts of stuff on the zoom just to you just have to adapt don't you really um yeah just but there's always different challenges that pop up like the current one has been like electric bills have gone from Maybe a year ago, uh, there was a bill that was about 150 or 190 pound a month, and then got a bill for like 836 pound for the month. And it's like, oh, so you have to deal with things like that, but you just have to go with it because you can't do nothing about it apart from trying to make sure you turn the lights off and stuff when you're not using them, things like that. Yeah, I did, had no idea about that until I had a couple of podcasts with UK gym owners and they were mentioning the electric bill and how just absolutely crazy it was um, to run electricity in their gym. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's just one of the things I think the company I'm with, apparently I'm stuck with them anyway. So it is what it is. You can't really change it. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, but we have, we just got lights we got a couple of tellies for like the my zone we used that mm-hmm. and we've got some fans and I think that's it. That's all we got. So like, I don't really, we can't really do much. We obviously weren't going to turn the lights off right. and people put the fans on when they get hot, obviously it's freezing at the moment or when you're not doing nothing, it's cold. They soon get warm. They had the fans on today and it was cold in there. But, um, but yeah, so you just have to go with and ride it out. Yeah, if you can make it through a pandemic where you have to completely shut the doors, I'm sure you can yeah. make it through this one too. But yeah, hopefully the cost of living starts to go down over there because it's it's crazy. I keep hearing about it and it's it's crazy. I don't know how people can afford to live or you know how businesses that rely on energy, obviously. So yeah, I hope that gets better. It's like sometimes they like um, I was talking to someone else and we were saying it's like more of a cost of not cost of living what they call it cost of um what's the what's the word priorities (laughs) cost of cost of priorities thing because sometimes like obviously sometimes people say no your cost of living this and that but if you go out like we went to go out when it was first like kicking off went to go in a restaurant for my daughter's birthday and we couldn't get booked in everything was full up and we thought everyone's going on about no one's got no heating no one's got no nothing but, but they're still going out. Go out. It's all those people going out. So people got people can find their money to train and go to gyms and do whatever. So you just have to, yeah, go with it. Yeah, exactly. You just have to um, make it 
make it a priority and hopefully people take the gym and their health as a priority too. So yeah, definitely need that now more than ever. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, what would your biggest piece of advice be to somebody who wants to own a gym someday? A lot of our listeners are prospective gym owners and they, they listen to get what it's like on the other side. If you could give them a word of wisdom about being a gym owner, what would that be? Okay. I would, um, Make sure if you find a location, right, if it's UK anyway, just make sure you can get something called a change of use if you need it. It's like um, it just says, like, you're allowed to be a gym as opposed to being a, like, takeaway food shop or a furniture shop or something um, just because you don't want to get a lease and then be stuck and then got to pay for a lease when you can't use the place. Um, and... That's one thing, just find the right location and mm. yeah, check out the costs and everything. But you just got to sometimes put your money where your mouth is and you just got to, like, if you think, oh, I'm a bit scared or if you've got someone saying, oh, yeah, but you might not just, sometimes you got to, you feel you just got to go for it and and do it and try not to spend. Yeah, don't spend, I'd say don't spend loads of money on loads of really cool, posh equipment that you think is going to be really, really cool. And whereas like when we, when we first got here, just had a couple of old benches, got some dumbbells and some weights and whatever that we could get hold of. And that was it. You don't need to spend out thousands and thousands, especially when you're first starting just to get people results. So try not to overspend would be my um, advice on when you're getting, getting set up and get, get a mentor or get a company that can help you because they'd help you shortcut a lot of things that rather than learning them the hard way. I think for sure. Yeah. I think that's all really good advice. Do your research before make sure logistically everything's in a row, um, especially with like the building codes. Um, make sure you don't create more problems for yourself. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. all good. advice. And mentorship too. I totally agree with that. I think we, yeah. we learn best when we can lean on someone else. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, really helps having someone and also when you're on your own like say you're a gym owner on your own you've not always got other people that you can ask advice for and you're sort of on your own but if you're in some sort of group with other owners or like yeah you can sort of sound ideas or just get get advice from other people like that as well in the same boat we might have might have done it yeah, I think that's that's great advice. Um, so thank you, Robbie, for everything that you've you've shared with us today and contributed to the show. Um, but before we wrap up, where can we find you? What's your website? Um, your Facebook? Where can people check out the gym? Okay, our Facebook page is called Paragon Fitness Studio, and we've got an Instagram. I'm not very good at the Instagram, but I'm pretty sure it's Paragon, maybe underscore fitness underscore studio or something like that. And our website is paragonfitness.co.uk. And that's about six years out of date, but we'll, I should get it updated at some point. And then um, if, especially if anyone looks at it, but yeah, that's what we awesome. want. Sweet. Everybody check out Paragon Fitness Studio on Facebook, paragonfitness.co.uk to see the website. Thank you again, Robbie, for being on the show. Thanks very much. 
Absolutely. And to all of our listeners out there, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you'd like to join us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out, and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Mr. Doug Shuline of Laguna Health Club. Obviously, joining us from Laguna Beach, California. Doug, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm I'm excited. Doug and I got the chance to to kind of spitball back and forth here before starting this official interview. And Laguna Health Club is far from your first foray into business ownership and gym ownership. That'll be the crux of our conversation. But why don't you give us a, a quick rundown of the resume of your experience as as gym owner throughout our industry absolutely hold that thought for one sec dog barking hold on Uh uh-oh (laughs) uh-oh and so by nature of doing these interviews from home we get the dog interrupting but we'll have doug back here any moment how's that for a start (laughs) perfect timing and so like i said by nature of of what we do these things happen but to to get us back on track here doug you were about to to tell us a little bit about the time in the industry beyond laguna health club before we got to this point so um, i opened my first gym in 1995 which sounds so long ago um, and the reason I did it was I had, I was personal training, renting space in someone else's gym. And I had to turn down my first client because I was too busy. And I was mm. like, I, I'm not okay with that. So I literally went out that day and went, I need to find a spot to open a gym because letting business walk out the door just drove me crazy, even though it was just the one person. So that was, yeah. that was really what triggered it. And then I just went full force, found a spot, dove in, but then I realized I didn't know a lot about running a business. I knew about being the busiest trainer. And I thought that that was what success was. Hey, I'm training 50 sessions a week. I'm killing it. Mm. 
But the reality was what I never learned was I, even as the business started to succeed and I took on a partner, which is a whole, whole another so rabbit hole that could take us an hour at least. Yes. Um, that I was, the business was getting busier. I was still training the most. I wasn't running the business. I, I was the business and I didn't learn how to manage trainers. I really didn't go out and, and spend much time getting educated on how to run a business, um, spreadsheets. All the back end that nobody tells you about before you open up. Exactly. Yeah. All the things that I tell young trainers who are successful before you go out and open a gym, these are the things that you need to know, even if it takes an extra year or two to make sure that you have that knowledge, the amount of money you'll save by not making those mistakes is well worth the extra, whatever amount of time it is before you get there. Sure. Sure. Now, so this was, this was far before you had become involved with Laguna and it sounds like we know a little bit more about running businesses now than we did way, way back in the day. Tell me about kind of the biggest differences in your entrepreneurial philosophy today as opposed to when you first got involved. Well, I think for the most part, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to look out for everyone and be a, be a team builder. I know that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I try to find the best trainers, best personalities, because a gym is, a gym is about family or you want it to feel that way when people come in. So when I'm looking to hire people, I'm looking for people who are outgoing, energetic, believe in the product, believe in the concept that we're offering, um, do not have a big box mentality. Um, we are, you know, we are a small gym. So expand I on that for a minute. Cause I think that's an important point here. What do you mean by that? Um, so big box versus we're small business. Yep. Uh, it is about, at least in my perspective, it is about personality and it's about people walking in the door and the first person they see dictates the energy that they're going to get when they come in. Uh, when you walk into a big box, a lot of time it's head down, it's key fob in, and there's, there's no interaction. I believe, and for people who are of my age, the show Cheers, to where everyone knows your name. Mm -hmm. That really is the quiet tagline to my business, that I want my staff to know, to look up, look you in the eyes, say good morning, say goodbye on your way out, and have a conversation somewhere in between if it, uh, if the situation dictates. Yep. But they are equal parts. You have staff and you have members, but they make the business together. Yep. Now, as far as running Baguna and, and the health club we have here, look back on on the almost two decades of you running this for a minute and just kind of explore both sides of the coin here. What's been your favorite part about running this specific gym and what's been the toughest part about running this one? Favorite part, um, small scale for me is very easy. Um, I enjoy the chess match of putting in the best equipment, 
small footprints um, to create the most effective flow in the gym. And in a small space, that's kind of a constant battle. The busier you get, the more efficient it has to be. Um, so I've always enjoyed gym design and, and in, in that gym, we've probably been through five iterations of, or, or more now with COVID, uh, of layouts and designs and, and functionality. Uh, and number one is the friendships that I've created with the trainers uh, and the members. A lot of them have been there over 20, 30 years themselves. Most of them have been there longer than me. Mm. So I think when I go to work, I, I'm going home. I'm going to my second home. And that's, that's a great way to go to work. Yeah. I try to teach my kids that, like find that job that's not a job and it's, it makes your day, right? There's no, there's no stress to it. I, I think that's, that's the idea that most people have getting into fitness is that, oh, I love being in the gym. This is going to be great. And a lot of the time it doesn't always pan out that way. Running a fitness business is tough and for the uninformed, like you mentioned, tend to spend that extra time to learn what the back end actually entails. For the uninformed gym owner, that can look like 70, 80, 90 hours a week. That can look like not a lot of money in the bank. That can look like pretty high stress day in and day out. For you, what's been what's been the challenge? I'm sure it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for 17 years running this business what's been the challenge or what's been the tough part for you i think um you know living in a or working in a town um, where the real estate went through the roof uh, we lost a lot of clients that moved out of town because they were priced mm -hmm. out yep. so uh, a lot of business walked out the door not by our fault but that's hard to yeah you're just watching people go if it was my fault and i could take responsibility for it Okay, got it. I'll fix it. It was out of my control. Yeah. So, I think that was the uh, that was the hardest part of that side of the business. Uh, yeah. And then fitness and and personal training historically has been uh, a quote unquote luxury item for people, and even in more affluent communities like Laguna Beach, there are people that have the financial resources that it won't affect them regardless of what happens to the economy. And those people will be around regardless, but there are people who are, are somewhat stretched to afford these services. And those, whether we're, we're charging 10,000 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month, there's always going to be those kind of right on the border. And as the economy goes, it's, it's going to find us one way or the other, you know, we always found that uh, the most consistent personal training clients were, teachers or you know people who could barely afford it but know that they needed to do it because that was their accountability yep. uh, and that's what we saw go away in terms of people getting priced out uh, yeah. and you know when the market every time the market turns you have those people who are living off their retirement as well and so it's a very fine line for them but they know yep. they need to do it but it's also the first thing that they have to give up yep so i think seeing a couple of turns i now know that okay every seven to ten years we're going to see or we're we're going to roll into our numbers some sort of downturn try to predict it just so you're prepared for it the model of what you do strikes me as interesting because it's 
it's similar to commercial gym. People have the ability to come in and pay and use their services, but the price point suggests a little bit more of an exclusive feel and the size of it dictates that we're not trying to just jam hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bodies through here. What made you settle on this specific model? Uh, the, the gym was working when I walked in there. It just wasn't working well. Um, and I've always, like I said earlier, I like gym design and I saw that it could work and it could work very well. And by consistently upgrading equipment or flooring or bathrooms or even the reception desk, if people see you putting money into the business, they're willing to spend a little bit more. You know, we might be 50% higher than 24 hour fitness or, you know, whatever the rates are now, but we're not people who want that price. We say, well, you're welcome to go there. We are not them, right? We yeah, it's a different product. product. It's, it's a different product. Completely different product. And if some people don't like a small gym, as nice as I've made Laguna Health Club, it's not going to be a fit. And I think that that's one of the things that I finally came to understand just a couple of years ago. I can't be everything to everybody. I can't. Ooh, that one, that one hits home with a lot of people listening to this. And uh, while, while impressive and, and noble, I think gym owners find themselves as martyrs more often than not because of wanting to serve anybody and everybody. And it just doesn't work long-term. It's unfortunate. We want fitness to be this all-inclusive type thing. It's not, you know, and that's that's not a bad thing. It took you however many 10 plus years to to come to terms with that. I think that's it, a confidence thing too, where you understand at some point <clears throat> you can't keep pandering to like, I want this, I like this music, I like, you know, hey, I don't like that machine you replaced, which we have going on right now. It's, it's newer and better, but some people don't like it, right? Yep. And I yep. have to say, I'm sorry it doesn't work for you where before I'd be like, well, let, let me see what I can do and, and stress about it. And it's, you have to learn when to, when to say no. And you also yep. have to learn that it's okay not to be perfect. I think you, you say it's a confidence thing. And I would even expand and build on that to say that gym owners make it personal. They think that someone saying your prices are too high or your service is this or your equipment is this, whatever the, the brand or phrase is, is a statement about them. And it's not, it just isn't, well, you so, know, absolutely. beyond that, I, I want to pick your brain a little about uh, the acquisition process and how we have found people that suit the product that you offer. And so over the years, Doug, what have you found to be successful under the marketing bucket for you to, to bring in some new people? Uh, you know, we've really, really, really hit hard on our marketing um, since COVID, since reopening from COVID. Uh, prior to that, small town, not a lot of competition. We banked on reputation um, and, and local advertising. We focused in the, the local online newspaper. Um, we tried, but we didn't find a lot of, a lot of success I, I think of it the same way as personal trainers. When you do a good job and your clients get results, you get referrals. 
Mm. And in the small gym business, if you're in a, in an area where it is more personalized, you do a good job. The word of mouth is going to bring you a lot of clients. Yep. Uh, there is so much advertising out there now. I think, I mean, target marketing is, is really what you have to do and you have to test, right? I, I still think our referrals and referral programs are by far the best build for us. Um, but we spent so much time recently on offering smaller deals, right? Come in, start for, well, today, actually, it's a great day that we're doing this, is one year ago that we started our 24-7 access mm. to the Health Club. Total, total business model change. Yep. Um, but we started advertising today that if they join between now and April, they get April for $24.70. Just trying to put something in front that stops them and makes them think whether the price is right, the timing is right. So it's repetition. Yeah. Just that little nudge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just a little nudge. And so if they can get in there and save 50 bucks for a month, it's a win-win. Sure. So we just really spent more time uh, targeting a, a very tight area to yeah. try to perform and test those numbers. I want to, I want to step back and kind of summarize and rephrase a lot of what you said, because there's, there's good information there for people. The, the model is important. The market is important. The people that have the affluence to be able to afford this usually know other people that have the financial resources to be able to afford this. And so, of course, referrals and, and word of mouth is going to be a key driver here. I have never, ever, ever spoken to a gym owner who is against bringing in those type of leads. You know, if we could get all of the growth we ever desired from that and that alone, of course we would. But unfortunately, there's usually a plateau to that at some point. Advertising has its role and it will for the long haul. How that takes shape is important. You mentioned one thing, the targeting. I think this is a sticking point for a lot of people that I speak to and for no other reason than... It's a skill set that not a lot of gym owners have. We usually either outsource it because it scares us and we work with some sort of agency. We attempt it ourselves and it goes horribly because we don't know what we're doing. And very few people stick to it long enough to learn how to effectively do it. Like you said, testing is key and ongoing testing is crucial. I think it's just... It's, it's something that our industry does a disservice to potential members by abandoning hope early. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Agreed. For you, take me to the next step because we, we're getting leads from a number of different sources here, but I'm interested in hearing a little about the sign-up process, especially as you change the model to this 24-hour offering so when somebody is, is interested, they reach out wherever they came from, social media, referral, whatever the source being. Take me through some of the different checkpoints of how someone actually goes about signing up. Sure. Um, really, there's, there's one of two ways. They can walk in the door. Uh, we have staff during primetime hours, but we also have QR code at the door. So should they show up during non-staffed hours, they can be signed up within about two minutes, uh, as well as gaining access to, uh, 
to the gym. So not just making the purchase, but then we have an app that allows access. Um, that's one. All the rest of it is from our marketing uh, with links that take you right to the store where you can make your purchase. Um, we've worked with, uh, we use a younger company for our store, for our gym tracking. Um, they're continuing to develop, which I like. I actually have a say in it as opposed mm -hmm. to some of the larger ones that uh, yep. most of your listeners use. Uh, I took a risk, but it's simplifying the process and they've helped us with our website. So every, every price that we have, if they click on the price, it takes them right to that specific membership. Uh, it really has, we've had very little problems and people are very happy. They can get in without ever actually speaking with someone. Um, and for us, that's, that's, a, that's a big a change of, in buying patterns in our industry. Huge change Because we used to, if we weren't staffed, which we were staffed all the time. Uh, and if you miss somebody, you know, if they walk in the door and they walk out, they're not coming back. Right. Right. And this way they have the choice. They can do their own homework. They can look at our videos and, you know, and see if they like what they, what they like. Yep. And they can buy a short-term pass and check it out, or they can just dive on in. I, I hear this a lot and it, it raises a lot of green flags in my mind when people bring up processes like this. And I think the two industries that get the worst reputation for sales are old school fitness and car sales. And you see it with like Carvana where people can, can do this entirely without speaking to a salesperson. And I think when we talk about differentiation with an earned reputation like that, and people don't want to be conned or sold or whatever the, the phrasing is, it can be a difference. You, you mentioned that we still have people that come and sign up in studio, so it's an option. But there is a, especially in a younger demographic, a lot of people that just don't want to interact with anybody. They just know what they want. Let me sign up for it. And let me go about my business. Tell me kind of in your mind, some of the, the pros and cons of that type of delivery in a sales process. Well, I'm a huge believer, as I've said, multiple times, personality. Right? I think the person that I have sitting at the desk will show the, the potential client the energy of the gym, right? They give them a tour, their personality comes out. That's a selling point of our gym. So if people are just looking at pictures or video and not getting the sense of what we offer, you are going to miss out on, on some people there, there's no doubt. Uh, so there is that, that give and take. I think what we find is that if people are not sure, they're the ones who will walk in and, and ask for a tour or just a day pass. That makes sense. Yeah, and you know, I, I wish I knew how many people we were losing because- yeah, that's this sort of intangible data. But, in the but if you were looking at my numbers, we've jumped 70% in 12 months. Um, part of that is people coming back from, you know, from being out for COVID and, and being fearful. Yeah. But when I look at who, who joins, these were not, not a lot of them were the old members coming back. This is all new blood. So that's good tells, information to have. Yeah. It tells me that the system's working. It tells me that the website has the right information and social media has the right videos showing trainers or members or just walk arounds of the gym. So people can feel like they've already been there. Yep. And I think that that we can express our personality through those videos and it, 
seems to be enough to, to close the deals. Sure. Now, as this thing moves forward, um, where do you see the biggest opportunity for growth? I hear 70% and one would think that, wow, that's a, that's a great improvement. But given the starting point of, of COVID, right. that 70% probably makes a lot of sense here. Where, what do you, what are you focused on as time goes on with Laguna Health Club? Where is the opportunity? Well, because we're dealing with a square footage challenge, if I were a bigger gym, I would be, I would be pushing on the, on the memberships going forward. We need to switch our focus to more building more in-house personal training. Um, that margin for us is solid. Uh, we pay our trainers very well, but we still make good money when we have our trainers doing the work. Um, we look at that as a, as a partnership um, where they, they make more than we do so that they're happy um, and we can build that and retain those clients. Yep. For us to move to the next level, we need to take that in-house personal training up by triple digits. Hmm. I find that many of the gyms in similar model, not quite the conglomerate commercial gym where you said we can just push volume all day and we're never going to hit a capacity limit. I find, and, and especially post-COVID, I find that a lot of the focus is, okay, if we have this hypothetical ceiling for how many people we can serve, how can we serve this population of people at an even higher level? So revenue and profitability can grow, but it's not just more bodies jammed through the doors at all times, especially in a premium model like this. People are coming to you because they don't want to be around hundreds of other people very, at any given time. Balance. It's a very yeah. hard balance right now. It's a, it's a balancing act through and through. Big picture this thing. We, we don't talk often enough in our space. And you as somebody who has owned and sold gyms, we don't talk often enough about exit strategy in our place. And this doesn't, it, I think it gets people and rubs people in the wrong way because it doesn't mean that you don't care about your business. But I find that the people who do have some semblance of a plan of finite ending run their business today in a little bit more efficient of a manner. And so what does that look like for you? Has that thought crossed your mind of, of when or how to, to leave? Should that be an option? Yeah. You know, I, I've always tried to build my businesses for recurring revenue, right? So that you could, you never have to sell it if the numbers make sense and the stress level is low and the hours you put in are not substantial. So this could stay forever. But my manager did ask me a couple of weeks ago, he goes, so, so what's your plan? Interesting timing. <laughs> Very interesting timing. And just, just off that point, I talked to a few of my trainers yesterday and I said, you know, if I don't step back from my own training, which is not a lot, but it's enough to take up my mornings three or four days a week. If I can pass my clients off to you, then I can step, truly step back and look at it and see what I want to do next, whether that's yep. selling or going and finding number two and or number three. Um, it's a hard question though, because I've been doing this for 30 years, right? It's what we know. So when you say, well, what's your exit strategy? Oof. Mm, good question. 
don't know. Yeah. In, in my perfect world, because I like to work and I love the business, I would actually find two or three more like Laguna Health Club, um, but to bring in a manager from the start, as opposed to trying to be all to everything, um, where I can, by phone call, grow the business, you obviously be on site in the beginning, but um, that's, a, that's a different topic. You're act, asking for exit strategy. I'm not sure that I'm there yet. I'm, I literally started yesterday yeah. with the thought process it's yeah no I, maybe i can be the seed to to plant this in your mind but yeah, have you uh, back on in six months and see where we're yeah, at <laughs> i i mean it's not it's not a bad thing i think even if people never plan to sell their gym if you build it in a way that if you had to pitch it to somebody else tomorrow you're probably going to get a better price tag than if Doug is ingrained in every process and needs right. to be pulling the strings for this to go. You know, it's a, it's just kind of a, a reverse engineering sort of thought process, but that doesn't need to look tremendously different in the day-to-day -day of clientele, more or less just how we operate from yeah. your role. This design um, is as sellable as a business is going to get. Um, you have personal trainers in-house, personal trainers renting space, but for the most part, your revenue is, are your members. Stable, and yeah. There's a recurring number that, that, you know, that someone looking to buy can look at. It's very clean. Um, makes for an easy exit if that was the. Should that, that come up? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying it has to. Never say never, right? It's If the number's yeah. right, the number's right. We may never know. Doug, that's a pretty good place for us to, to begin to wrap our conversation up, but why don't you share with our listeners where they could find out more about Laguna Health Club? Is there a website? Is there social? How can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, website is lagunahealthclub.com. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, Laguna Health Club. Um, Facebook, uh, same. Easy to find. Do uh, some Googling and you'll find it. You'll, yeah, you'll find me pretty easily. Uh, yeah. We're there. Um, you can see everything you want there. Uh, and I'm open, uh, you know, I'm, what I'm going towards now is more consulting um, to help younger, younger gym owners as well. Um, mm -hmm. So if any of your listeners just looking to talk and bounce ideas off, I love to talk business all day long. Connect with Doug on those platforms that you mentioned. Doug, this has been awesome. I, I genuinely appreciate the openness and, and I love getting a chance to, to kind of look behind the scenes as how businesses like this operate. And so, like I said, excited to see where this whole thing goes and, and I wish you nothing but the best in that pursuit. I appreciate it. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.